0: Because yeah, uh, that, I think they're on at least their third pregame scuffle now.
1: I like it. I you, like it. Get, get, do it. Just do it.
0: Okay.
1: I go. I'd go out there and I would pick a fight with Steve Adazio Ooh, I don't know. at the hand, at the at the point flip. I would. I, would I need do Narduzzi
0: it. and Adazio to fight. I need like the Z the, the,
1: the dudes Daz fight <laughs> is the that would be the best. Yeah.
0: Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownley. We're going into week fourteen. I, I've like stopped keeping track of numbers, but it's the last week of the year. <laughs> it's the last week of the year. That's all we need to know. And um, I was gonna have on, um, actually, because he was such an advocate of the bowl bowl uh, potentially happening. But as is usually things with triangle football, we can't have nice things. So Joe Ovius will have to wait another week at least to come on uh, the podcast. But instead. I've got David Hale From ESPN All things ACC And stats And all that good stuff David, thanks for coming on
1: I like to think of myself As not quite as good as Joe <laughs> A minor minor downgrade from Joe
0: I did warn him That like counting on NC State To do something For you was a mistake um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well,
1: As somebody who mistakenly Picked NC State to win uh, each of the last couple of weeks, um, you know, who are we to judge anymore?
0: Well, I mean, you could pick them to win this week and it wouldn't be all that unreasonable, but we're we're going to get to them. Uh, we're going to get to that one because I guess that's our nightcap on Saturday night, just as the Lord intended. Um, <laughs> actually, technically, Florida State, Florida is the nightcap, as I'm sure Florida State fans would not have the Lord to intend. But yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, one of them might be a game still in the second half. We'll see.
0: (laughs) That's true. Uh, Maybe both even. Um, But we start out on Friday, Black Friday, and uh, um, Virginia fans certainly hope it is not a Black Friday for them uh noon so i guess like all of the sales in virginia will be relatively like you can probably have your pick right like all the black friday sales like everything's just going to be abandoned everybody's going to be there right (laughs)
1: uh i don't know what the crowds at like virginia tech or virginia walmart's typically are but uh I would assume they're they're hefty contingents at their Walmarts, but yeah, no, this is, (laughs) I I like this, having that game on a Friday, but I'm guessing that most fans and coaches would prefer it's Saturday, but I like the idea of playing that game at a point where it gets more eyeballs on it. It's sort of, I think, an underrated rivalry because it has been so one-sided, but you know, it's a fun game. I hope people pay attention. Like last year's game was probably one of the best games of rivalry rivalry weekend and you know, it flew under the radar because neither team was really playing for a whole heck of a lot, but I uh, mean, yeah.
0: but what is best really? You know, <laughs> like
1: <laughs> are we going <laughs>
0: close or
1: <laughs> Right. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good point. That's a good point. I don't know how you want to define it necessarily. It will be entertaining. It will and, be
0: compelling.
1: Yes, compelling, that's good That's a good word, it sounds sounds better than it actually is Yeah,
0: yeah and I mean um, What I want you to do If you can um, Is talk me into uh, Virginia Feeling good about Virginia in this game
1: <laughs> uh, You know it's funny because if you had asked Six weeks ago I, I mean I feel like I wouldn't have even needed to talk you into it Right, like Virginia would have been the obvious pick And then Bryce hall gets hurt and the defense has certainly not been quite what it was early in the season. and Virginia Tech makes a QB change and all of a sudden they're a completely different team. And now you're looking at it and you say, how do you how do you even make the case for Virginia? I, you know look I, I I would say that the case is that, uh, there's sort of Murphy's Law says that every a- anything that is possible will eventually happen so I suppose Virginia eventually has to win one of these uh, I, you know it's I, I still think Virginia is a pretty good team but they're just not an explosive team and they're not although they've been
0: more explosive lately so that does intrigue me So yeah,
1: and look Bryce Perkins did not play super well for a stretch this season, but the last few games have been probably his best games of the year. Uh, yeah. So, look, I, I think there's a distinct possibility that you we see a good version of Virginia. Uh, and, look, I, you know, I think Hendon Hooker's been really good. I, I think the numbers certainly back that up, and the record certainly backs that up. But games like this that – come with their own level of pressure. Sometimes guys who haven't really been through it before. I mean, look at Bryce Perkins last year. Bryce Perkins played a hell of a game last year against Virginia Tech, but when the pressure was really on to make a play, he went in the opposite direction, and he's an awfully good quarterback. I think back to you know Taj Boyd versus South Carolina all those years. I mean, Taj Boyd was a great college quarterback oh, yeah. but just could not beat South Carolina. So I think sometimes th- – I'm not a throw-the-records-out-the-window-in-all-rivalry-games you know, type of person. It is cliched and pointless and stupid. But I do think there's a different energy around rivalry games that can sometimes uh, impact you in smaller moments where when you know, you're know you talking about a lot of games, most games between decent teams are going to come down to just a handful of plays that really make the difference. And you know sometimes when the pressure is on in those handful of plays, it can kind of swing one direction or another based on how you are prepared to handle that pressure. And and look, we've seen I think Bryce Perkins has been through this before and maybe that gives him an advantage over Hendon Hooker, but uh, you know, and, and certainly Virginia Tech even as they've been better, have not consistently run the ball better this year. I mean, they've, they're have they better but right. not good, I guess. And Virginia's linebacking crew is still very good. I mean, there's there's things to like. Special teams has certainly, I think, been an asset to both teams at, at times. But Virginia's return game has been really, really good this year. Their, their average starting field position margin is the best in the country by a pretty wide margin. The, those oh, wow. things matter. So uh, there's some, you know, there's some things that you can take away from this and say there's there's probably more to like about Virginia's chances this year than in most of the past, you know, two decades of futility here. But uh, I mean, if you just also look at the way Virginia Tech's been playing, it's it's hard to count them as anything other than a relatively solid favorite at this point. Yeah, I think
0: the line opened Virginia being favored and it quickly swung back the other way. I, I think my biggest question is like, the defense has been playing really, really well and they've had some emotional moments, especially at home with Bud Foster. You know, it was Bud Foster day and then it was Bud Foster's last home game. So I think maybe, I guess there's that possibility of the defense do you think it was playing a little bit above its head? Or is like that's the defense we were supposed to have seen all year?
1: I think it's a defense that's sort of come into its own a little bit. I mean, th- there were so many young guys uh, last year that made a lot of mistakes. I mean, typical of young guys. And the problem is there were so many of them that even if if nine of them were doing the right thing on any given play, there was a good chance two of them were doing the wrong thing. And so they were getting burned a lot. And that continued into the early part of this year. They've improved because guys improve with experience and Rayshard Ashby has been phenomenal and Caleb Farley has been phenomenal. Um, they're just a lot better, I think defensively because those guys have grown into their roles. I mean, one of the uh, things I've, I wrote about Caleb Farley early last year as being, you know, a really, uh, potentially breakout athlete in a Bud Foster defense, but he played quarterback in high school. He had never played a snap on the defensive side of the ball before last year. Uh, So, I mean, these guys are just sort of coming into their own now. And so I I don't look at it as really they're playing well because they were well-motivated. I think it's just, you know, they've been out there for enough snaps now that it's starting to become second nature for them. All right, well,
0: I was trying to give Virginia fans something to... Hold on to. Him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um yeah, well, you know, it's basketball season. Although hell, Virginia Tech goes out and beats Michigan State and maybe even basketball season is not necessarily the the win-win for the Right, for that was crazy. Year.
0: I did, I did, I certainly didn't see that coming. But yeah, I mean, they'll they'll still be fine with their national title and all. I think they'll I think they'll take that. Yeah. Um <laughs> so that'll get us to uh Clemson South Carolina noon on Saturday, the first game of the day. Or tied for the first game of the day. A lot of noon games, like more so than in recent weeks, which is fine by me. Um, Big
1: nude Saturday,
0: <laughs> and lots of lots of nudity as it's like the ACC-SEC challenge, all all at noon almost, except for that night game. Uh, Clemson, South Carolina. Um, I mean, ah, I, I don't know that I have much here in terms of like. Like, where the advantage lies for South Carolina. Uh, I'm I'm like pulling up my couch cushions, trying to think of a reasonable. Because, like, Jake Bentley last year doing what he did, and I know that's something that's been a storyline this week, like against Clemson's defense, that's something that he did at times against other teams. Like, that's not crazy that he did that. It wasn't completely unprecedented. I don't know where that happens or where that comes from from South Carolina this time around, though, right?
1: Yeah, I was actually just looking this up uh, earlier this week that there are four power five quarterbacks who are completing less than half their passes on throws beyond the line of scrimmage, and Ryan Holinsky is one of them. So oh, no. it's hard for me to envision a scenario where there's a repeat performance of last year. And then the other thing that I keep reminding people and I think Clemson fans are happy to remind is that that horrible performance that was a 21 point win for Clemson last year so on South Carolina's best day last year they still were 21 points short of beating Clemson and I think they're not probably as good a team this year I mean what they have to hope for is that this turns into a game like the Georgia game where uh, you know, neither offense is really getting out of its own way and it can come down to a, a kick late here or there. Uh, I just don't see that happening. And uh, I was talking with with uh, Larry Williams, who covers Clemson, the other day. And we were like, isn't it ridiculous that after Clemson goes out less than a year ago and blows the doors off of Alabama in a national championship game, you would have thought, like, there's no way Dabo ever gets to play the underdog card again. And here we are and <laughs> Oh, he's got to be thrilled. It's, I, I I told Larry, I was like, I, I guarantee you, Dabo is slipping some cash to media members somewhere to try to talk down uh, Clemson's chances this year. But but the, I mean, the truth of it is, is, these players hear this. The players are aware of of their their peck, their spot in the pecking order and people doubting them because their competition is crap. And I guarantee you, they are. Uh, going out with a purpose this year. Last year was a very lackadaisical performance, particularly on defense, that I don't think was necessarily indicative of who Clemson was, as clearly was evidence in the postseason after that. Uh, This year, I don't think that Clemson is going to be looking at this game as just the last game in the regular season. Oh, for sure. I think they're looking at it as we're going to throw some salt in the eye, not just of our rivals, but of the sec and all the people who've been doubting us all year. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's a reason that Dabo like almost kissed Mac Brown on the mouth after that game. And it wasn't, it wasn't just because he has great affection for Mac. It was also because I think he probably had to know in the back of his mind, like a, we escaped. And then B like, Oh, we can use this. And that's what they did. Like it.
1: Well, and the, the crazy thing is this happens every year. And for some reason, You know, the national media just has amnesia about it, but like they lost to Pittsburgh, they lost to Syracuse, they damn near lost to Syracuse and Texas A&M last year, Uh, and then they play this game this year. I mean, they do this every year. The difference in Clemson a few years ago to now is they win these games as opposed to losing them, but I mean, it happens every year.
0: Yeah, no it does. I and then I guess like the quality of opponent that they flirt with losing to, but Pittsburgh or Syracuse wasn't good the year that they beat them. So
1: Yeah, Syracuse was not good. That Pittsburgh team was fine but not great. Um and I mean even A&M last year was not a great team. And, and all the SEC folks wanted to hold it against Clemson going into the postseason last year of like, well, here's the common opponent this Texas A&M. And, and Clemson really struggled to get past them. And it's like, you know, haven't we gotten to a point by now where we understand that, that while there is some information and context to be taken from common opponents that saying that because team A beat team B and team B beat team C does not necessarily mean team A is better than team C like the transitive property has been disproved time and again and again and again unless you're ready to hand wake forest the 2014 national championship trophy for beating virginia tech that beat ohio state
0: 100 well I already have done that they're the transitive national champs and no one can take that away from them but
1: yeah no it, it looks good in the trophy in the trophy case that that Transitive trophy. Yeah,
0: it's beautiful. No, I mean I, I, I'm with you. And look, the only conversation around a sport that's dumber is around co- around pro football. Honestly, like that's the only sport that's talked about in like a more silly way than college football uh, tends to be. Um, you know, with QB wins and such. So yeah, I mean, look, we know Clemson is what they are, and I don't think they're going to mess around in this one. Um, as much as I tried to kind of talk myself into it, I really don't see. Uh, I don't see a lot of messing around happening um, in this game at all. So, um, and that actually, you know, you mentioned Georgia. That gets us to the next game, obviously, Georgia, Georgia Tech. Oh dear, um, the blood. But like Clemson doesn't play like Georgia. That's the thing. Like they don't play with their food like Georgia does. It, it, they're They're just maddening to watch sometimes. like they when you let a team stick around because of the way they play football, you're going to put yourself in position to get upset. And, you know, I don't think that's going to happen to them this weekend, obviously, but like that's, they're, they're mind boggling to me to watch. Honestly, I I can't, I can't with them. I enjoyed them so much more last year.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an odd thing because I don't know how much of it is scheme versus uh, that there's just not the same receiver talent versus um, just regression to some extent i mean but you look at the offense and it's just it is not a dynamic offense there's kind of like two or three things that they do well and if you don't give them those things they're going to struggle and their defense is really good but you're asking so much of a defense to essentially play the perfect game every time out in order for you to win football games and there's just been so many instances this year of them having an opportunity to step on a team's throat and just not being able to do it and i I think uh I, i don't think that is going to translate into a georgia tech win certainly i genuinely don't know how georgia tech moves the football on georgia unless they just happen to hit a couple of deep balls down the field that they get lucky on um, but Georgia Tech's defense has played yeah. okay at times this year. It would not entirely shock me if this is not a the blowout that everybody thinks it is. I think the line's like 28, 29 at this yeah, point. Yeah, that feels a little high. Up, yeah, and I mean, look, certainly Georgia's, Georgia's 28 points more talented than Georgia 100%. Tech. There's no doubt about that. But we've not seen that version of Georgia this year. And uh, I, I looked this up uh, earlier this week that through 11 games – Every team that has made the playoff has scored more points than Georgia has so far this year. So they would set a new mark for offensive. Futility among playoff teams if they Were to make it this year uh, which is Not just again there's more talent on this Offense than they've shown but it's sort Of like 11 games into the year you kind Of have a feel for who you are and I don't Have the feeling like Georgia is a team That is capable of putting anyone away
0: Yeah I mean it's like I guess maybe they Think they're saving it for a playoff or for the SEC title game I don't know it feels like they're Saving their offense for something either that Or like the old school Nick Saban Ball or even like Jimbo When he does when he didn't trust a quarterback at Florida state that's like what this reminds me of
1: that is, that's exactly what what it reminds me of and it's funny because you watch, if you watch the auburn game you know auburn probably outplayed them for the most part uh certainly on the offensive side of the ball but what you every time they got into trouble there was essentially like two or three play calls that they felt like they could go to that Jake fromm could run well and the receivers could handle and you know they, they were they were running the, the toss sweep a ton because that's just what Georgia does but really essentially unless Jake fromm was sort of throwing the outs, outside the numbers uh, there really wasn't a, a sort of a anything they looked comfortable doing and and they reverted in the second half to sort of here's what we're comfortable with and that's a very thin playbook for them right now and a lot of teams, aren't talented enough to really keep up with that but eventually they're going to run into somebody who is can scheme it up well enough to say like all right this is the things that we know you do well we're not letting you do that and see if you can beat us any other way and i think that's really what south carolina did in a lot of respects and they couldn't (laughs) beat them any other way so i don't know i if is georgia a playoff team i genuinely don't know the answer to that they've got some pretty good wins i think but i didn't come away saying like those were really impressive wins they just beat some teams that have been otherwise pretty good this year which a win's a win and a win matters i think certainly more than how you win it but uh yeah, I mean it's a it's a frustrating team to watch because, like you said, you, you keep looking at them and thinking, why aren't you better?
0: Yeah, no, it, it they make no sense. But you know, if they make it into the playoff as like the fourth team, it'll be as opposed to like somebody like a Utah or whatever. It'll be just all the more reason that you know four is plenty, <laughs> in my opinion.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I and I'm a, I'm an expanded playoff uh, person for a lot of reasons beyond just who deserves to be in, but. I will say that my uh, argument has not held up well against the actual results in these games because the four seed, since Ohio State uh, won it all in 2014, has uh, not looked particularly good in these games. Yeah, I think
0: there's just there's definitely been like a clear separation. I think between like four and everybody else, generally speaking. So, um, but who knows? Who knows who gets in this year and how they look? Um, you know, we don't have the hugest sample size to pull from just yet. So. Uh, maybe maybe some of that will start to look a little bit different oh, Speaking of rivalries Louisville at Kentucky uh, Kentucky has a wide receiver Playing quarterback still currently, yes? <laughs> uh,
1: yes Yes um, And I guess has been pretty good At it, all things considered um, You know, I think they've done A nice job Given how terrible things have been for them On the injury front But um, but this is still should be a game that Louisville wins, which is kind of, again, sort of crazy when you think back to where we were at the beginning of the season. You never would have said that. But Louisville's been really impressive this year, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. Um, now, could I see this turning into sort of a shootout type of game? Louisville's defense still has some issues. Yeah,
0: it's still not good.
1: Um, but yeah, I mean, they're just, they've got a lot of weapons. And Scott Satterfield has this team believing and. Uh, I to me this is sort of a very important game for the narrative of the ACC season. Which yeah, has been this is the brutal. swing game for right, sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean nobody is look if South Carolina won, yes, that'd be awful for the ACC. If Florida State beats Florida or Georgia Tech beats Georgia, yes, that'd be very good for the league. But but I think we all kind of have a clear a clear idea of what those games are coming in. This is as you say the swing game. This could go. Either way, and I think it's sort of, if you say, well, Louisville has really looked like probably the third or fourth best team in the ACC for most of the year, you can't have them go out and lose to what is probably the seventh or eighth best team in the SEC. Uh, and still kind of thump your chest about anything. But but to win this game, I think, at least helps shift the narrative a little bit that, all right, the ACC had a down year, but it's not as bad as everybody says. I think, you know, and, and all of that shouldn't be put onto one team in one game, but we kind of have an idea how these narratives form and how they develop, and I think this game is important for that. No,
0: you're right. And uh, I think Lynn Bowden, who is their wide receiver-turned-quarterback, if I'm not mistaken, compared it to uh – brown steelers this week which i hope that doesn't mean anybody gets hit with a helmet but
1: uh i mean you know it was entertaining it gives something to talk about
0: uh yeah i'll say um yeah so it'll be interesting to see uh that's also at noon that's like the third in a row at noon all at the same time so if you're into the sec acc uh uh challenge so to speak you're gonna have to do a lot of channel flipping um although you can probably <laughs> just skip georgia tech georgia for like a myriad of reasons um, just yeah. flip just flip yeah. the other two you're good um 12 wake at syracuse oh dear um well
1: <laughs> uh boogie basham might end up with 11 sacks in this game that's possible so well, they,
0: it seems like their offense i mean look it's all relative right but it does seem like syracuse's offense is showing signs of um being alive and that was not a thing I expected to say. And then Wake's defense certainly has own issues. Um, so, like, that for sure worries me from Wake's perspective, right? Like, I I, I don't know if Syracuse can get something going offensively um, and doesn't take a bunch of sacks like they've been doing. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I don't know, it's interesting because look this is let's be clear this is not the same wake forest team that was out on the field a month ago they've lost their two best players by a pretty wide margin to injuries and and so they're kind of particularly in the defensive side of the ball doing the best with what they have um so i you know talent wise syracuse is probably not being widely out talented here but to me, the big difference is the way the style of offense that Wake Forest plays really neutralizes Syracuse's best asset, which is those two edge rushers. And if if you're not getting a lot of penetration from, from Alton Robinson and Kendall Coleman, then what is it that Syracuse does well on defense? And the answer is I don't think much of anything. No. <laughs> so to me, this is really prob- a very problematic matchup for Syracuse's defense. And again, you know, I, I think... Certainly Syracuse has played some better football offensively the last uh, couple of weeks. I don't know that that necessarily translates into a significantly better um, performance against Wake Forest. I mean, look, the, Boston, they played Boston College and, and lost that game in, against one of the worst pass rushes in the ACC. Probably the worst pass rush in the ACC. They beat Duke, but that game was honestly inexplicable for so many reasons and then they go to Louisville and, and yes they put up you know 30 some but it wasn't like a lot of that was after they had already fallen behind a good bit and Louisville's pass rush is not fantastic either Boogie Basham's going to be the best pass rusher that they have probably seen since they played Pittsburgh and that offense did not look great against Pittsburgh either so I, I, I'm I'm of the opinion Wake wins this one I tend to lean that I think they win it fairly easily. I think the spread's like four. I would probably be happy to give those points. But uh, I'm also a Syracuse graduate who's been very (laughs) jaded by pretty much everything that has happened on that campus in the last three months. How
0: does what Wake wants to do offensively, they want to run a ton of plays. Like They they outgained Duke by like 400 yards, but the yards per play wasn't all that different because of just the way Wake's offense runs. How does it compare with... I know Dino Babers wants to run a ton of plays as well. How do their philosophy sort of... Comparing? Dinos is
1: really more of sort of the the you know spread tempo style that was. I mean, he's an Art Briles protege, and um, I think you know they're you're going to see a lot of four wide receiver sets of Syracuse. You're going to see them um, you know use the rece- use the running backs out of the backfield more. They're they're. Not really looking to go downfield as much, but kind of get the ball into space to people um, and and yes, tempo obviously is a huge part of that. Wake is running tempo too, but they're doing it in a much different style. They're almost like Georgia Tech, but tempo you know old school Paul Johnson Georgia Tech but tempo they're running a version of the option in a lot of respects they're they're it, to watch them is it's a fascinating thing to watch the offense play out because and jamie newman will take the snap and stick the ball into the running back's belly and then it just it's like time freezes for a minute and a half while newman surveys the field and then decides whether he's actually going to hand it off or pull it and throw it uh but ta- they'll take more downfield shots and and certainly it was more successful when they had sage throughout but they've still got some really good receivers there for him to throw to uh and and so it becomes a much more challenging thing for defenses to go up against because they sort of punish your aggressiveness. You can afford to play a little more aggressive against against Syracuse. I mean, it certainly helps if you're deeper because that aggressiveness will will wear you down against a tempo offense like that, but but it can also have some success. Whereas aggressiveness against Wake's offense really works against you because sure. that's what they're hoping. They're hoping they're hoping your edge guy is going to come in and overcommit. And once you, do, once you do that, then they've got you. And when you have, again, it, it, it is a shame to not see Sage Surratt out there the rest of the season, but they've still got Scotty Washington and, and Kendall Hinton and, and some really good weapons offensively that um, you know, you shouldn't, they shouldn't have that guys with that much athleticism and size and, and physicality on a team like Wake Forest. They're just a matchup problem. Uh, for people, and then when you add in the style of offense that they play, uh, it, it you know again it's like it's like those old Georgia Tech teams where they were really good on the outside and were just kind of waiting for you to to overcommit so that they could kind of stick it stick it a thumb in your eye
0: speaking of old georgia tech teams paul johnson tweeted last night uh, we're recording this a little early obviously because of thanksgiving but paul johnson tweeted during the monday night football game uh how about the trap and trap option by the ravens it looks like nobody in the nfl has ever seen it not supposed to work in that league i miss him so much <laughs> i miss him so much <laughs>
1: Uh everything old is new again and Paul Johnson will forever be old and new again. Yes,
0: that's that's so accurate. He is he is so missed. Um that'll get us to three thirty, uh Boston College at Pitt. So this will be the ultimate test for me, um, in terms of like if Pitt really wants to fight everybody. Um <laughs> like if they try to fight Boston College. Um because yeah, uh, that, I think they're on at least their third pregame scuffle now.
1: I like it. I like it. Get get, get do it. Just do it.
0: Okay.
1: I go. I'd go out there and I would pick a fight with Steve Adazio Ooh, at, the, at the at the point flip. I would. I, would I need do
0: Narduzzi it. and Adazio to fight. I need like the Z.
1: The, the dude Daz fight <laughs> is the that would be the best. Yeah.
0: I mean, I just like I. I don't fully understand Pitt. Honestly, I. I, I don't. Um, I, I guess they've sort of taken on Narduzzi's persona in that way, and I guess largely they feel like it culturally kind of works for them. Um, I, I kind of see it and then kind of don't. Um, like I saw that video from Virginia Tech of like the pit guy like scuffing up the logo in the end zone, or whatever, before the game, and it's just like, okay, I guess. I mean, (laughs) I don't know. It's a little bit of a chip-on-the-shoulder attitude, I guess. Is that kind of the mentality there for them? I don't really fully understand it. Yeah,
1: (laughs) chip-on-the-shoulder, blue-collar, however you know, pretty words you want to put onto it. I mean, it's a team that wants to... I, I will say I like the idea of them wanting to sort of like you know, push the bully and see if they push back, you know, it's, they're not showing up looking to kind of sit back and wait to take the first yeah, swing. But, yeah, you know, but Duke's Duke not the bully. <laughs> no, I, well, yeah, but maybe, so maybe Pitt's the bully. I don't know. I don't Who know. think uh, it with Duke
0: besides like maybe Carolina? Uh,
1: <laughs> it's, uh, but you know, look, if it, uh, I think largely it has worked for them yeah. and, that's fine. I mean, they're not the most talented team, but I think if it creates, even if it's just within their own locker room, this image that like we're tough guys, then that's probably a good thing. And and really, the the sort of physicality and tough toughness of Pitt has been the calling card this year on the field too. I mean, they're just they're not a very good offensive team, and they kind of need that that blue collar toughness to. Have any chance to to win football games? Yeah,
0: I I hate it for for Narduzzi a little bit because like this is easily the best defense he's had. It's not that close, and their offense just is not good. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll be a little bit intrigued here though for sure because like Boston College is capable offensively. We know that, and uh, Pitt doesn't have like anything solid to play for here. Whereas Boston college has plenty to play for. Right. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you could probably make the case that this could be Steve Adazio coaching for his job at this point. Um, I think they miss a bowl this year. Uh, you know, there was certainly rumblings last year that that could be the end of Steve Adazio last year and he survived it. But uh and I think rightfully so, but certainly when you kind of get to a position where people were were kind of annoyed by seven win seasons and now you're not even making a bowl, that becomes a lot tougher of a a sell for, you know, for, for Boston College, well, both of the fans, I think. So, uh. Uh, no, that was a low blow, and I apologize to both of those Boston College <laughs> fans for saying that. Uh, but, no, I think there's a, I think there's a legitimate um, opportunity for BC here because, look, they can run the football. Um, I think, you know, if they can hit a few over the top and, and get after Pitt a little bit with the downfield passing game to kind of force the open some holes for the run game. There's an opportunity there. And, and the biggest weakness for Boston College has certainly been on the defensive side of the ball where they just have zero pass rush whatsoever. And, you know, frankly, against Pittsburgh, that doesn't run the ball and does not really move the ball well, period, Uh You know, it's uh, the they're not in a position to expose that weakness either. So I think this has a chance to be a closer game. And and as you said, at the end of the day, BC's playing for a hell of a lot more than Pitt. Well, and Pitt
0: is going to – I mean, I think we've seen this. Well, one, we've seen when Pitt plays bad defenses, like North Carolina, which is a little banged up. You know, they can move the football, so that's one. And then two, like – You know, they're going to go into self-check mode, though, because that's just also what they do for whatever reason. (laughs) We saw that against Duke and against North Carolina where they had big leads and uh, couldn't quite hang on to them because they, you know, changed their defensive philosophy a little bit or get some silly penalties. And, um, you know, so that chip on the shoulder mentality almost comes back to bite them a little bit in that way, uh, where they're apt to, you know, commit like five defensive penalties on a given drive. and. Uh, just march somebody right down the field So yeah, it'll be interesting, like you said, we'll see um, Alright, 3.30, oh boy And this game suddenly becomes At least slightly more interesting <laughs> Oh, Miami at Duke Oh boy
1: yeah, it's a terrible matchup for Miami because Duke is bad, uh, and that apparently is the key to beating <laughs> Miami, is just being a really bad team. <laughs> and then Miami has no chance against you. Uh, I have no explanation of what the hell Miami is doing Oh, my God. Um, it makes... I, I've written them off and been wrong and then said, hey, maybe they've turned a corner and then I'm wrong, and I don't know what the hell to think of these guys. It is... Uh, you know, certainly they have the talent um, to play with most teams, but, man, they just cannot get out of their own way sometimes. And Jaron Williams, like, I think the future is probably fairly bright for Jaron Williams, but that game last week against FIU might be the worst QB performance I have seen this year. It was He was so yeah. bad. And as bad as he was, it, the numbers probably should have been worse. If they had played an even marginally better defense than FIU he might have gotten picked off eight ten times in that game it was it was brutal uh, so you know I don't know but then I mean a week before that he just absolutely absolutely torch Louisville you know I, I, I don't know I don't know I don't know what to make of Miami I don't think Duke is very good and I think for me the big question with Duke is really comes after this game they're not going to go to a bowl almost certainly um, And so, does David Cutcliffe decide it's time to kind of make some changes with the offensive philosophy, with the offensive coaching staff? I think you have to, I do. I think you have to, too, and I mean, look, you can pin some of this on on Quentin Harris as maybe just not the guy who is going to lead a a, uh, phenomenally good offense, but I just think that, that, uh, man, you've seen too much of Duke not really living up to its offensive ability uh, over the last couple of years. And I think, yeah, I think you absolutely have to, to move in some different directions. And it's a funny thing because, I mean, this is the first time since he got there that you would say, yeah, David Cutcliffe's team kind of underachieved. No, they did. And, uh, yeah, and I mean, that's, it's, it's a weird thing to say about a David Cutcliffe-Duke team, but I, I think there definitely is a need to kind of look in the mirror and say, like, all right, what do we want to be? And, and is what we're doing still relevant right now is it still you know have we not adjusted as teams have kind of adjusted to us Yeah,
0: it's, a, it's an especially weird thing to say I think when like the, the only bad loss you could look at on paper is the Syracuse loss but there are games with the way they played out that they should have won and uh you know some of the decision making down the stretch was uh certainly interesting especially in the North Carolina game um they were lucky to even be close as close as they were to score at the end of that game because of the way that that final drive was managed or not managed I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, both te- both teams are trying to give <laughs> that one away, but I mean, even at that, I mean, take away the wins and losses yeah. from it. it. I think there's some real red flags just in terms of the offensive philosophy and performance, and um, you know, I, I and and look, they're going to have to figure out things at quarterback next year anyway. Um, they've not been great at receiver for a number of years now. Um, You know, maybe I think this is just a a hard look in the mirror season, which, you know, if you're Duke, hard looks in the mirror have not been a thing you've really had to have to do very much because nobody really ever expected much of you. So in some ways, the fact that that people are kind of complaining about what has happened and insisting that Cutcliffe consider making some changes like that's sort of a compliment that, uh, you know, 10 years ago it didn't matter, right? So the fact that it matters now is is saying something in its own yeah, right. Yeah, no
0: more pats on the head. And like you said, that's a testament to what Cutcliffe's done there. And I think he would view it that way too. Um, Miami, I had Cam Underwood on, on, uh, the, on Sunday night we taped with him. And uh, obviously he had lots of feelings from State of the U. And uh, I, look, they're not firing Manny. Um, but as he put it, this is a, it's a mark in the ledger. You know,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and look, I, I think you can make a lot of sort of comparisons to other coaches, and why isn't why haven't they done more? And clearly, you know, I think Manny even said this is probably the darkest day that we've had in Miami and his time around the program.
0: It's the worst. Well cam said it was the worst loss in Miami history, and i don't I don't know that that's not true I think that might be true I
1: would argue maybe the Clemson game that got out golden fired was a more was a worse loss to some extent, but Clemson was a much right. better team than FIU yeah. is. So, I, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, however, you, it, the, the fact of the matter is if your point, if, if Al Golden's coming up in the conversation, it's probably not good. Oof. So, uh, uh, but look, I, I will say this about Manny. I think he's a very smart guy. I think he has a genuine passion and understanding for what the expectation is at Miami and who they want to be. I think he is going to work incredibly hard on the recruiting trail to build this program back to where he wants it to be. But I also think he's never been a head coach before and this year has been a learning experience. And so the question to me is not really so much what happened this year, but what has Manny learned from those experiences right. this year? Will, will they happen again? Uh, or was the overall experience of this uh, a, a thing that, that will make him a better head coach in the long run? Yeah. And, and I tend to think he's the latter. I think he's smart enough to understand that, like, there were mistakes made this year and some things that we didn't do well. And, and maybe some of the, the staff that I hired was not a right fit here. Um, and will get better because of it. But... Uh, you know, it, none of that is going to assuage the the feelings of Miami fans after that loss, which was horrendous. Ugh. I mean, you could make a good case that that Miami losing to Georgia Tech and Miami losing to FIU are the two most embarrassing games of the ACC season this year.
0: Oh, yeah. I think that's probably not far off. And honestly, Georgia Tech played out way more flukily, in my opinion. Like,
1: Yeah, right. No, FIU just dominated that game. There was no yeah i mean georgia tech needed overtime needed a defensive touchdown needed a special teams touchdown yeah, a trick play, yeah. like, that was a that was a that was a fluke this was This was not you got flat out got beef yeah. and
0: butch davis at that woof
1: <laughs> <I know. laughs> university of coral gables
0: <laughs> i mean like technically that's true but it's fine. Yeah, it's either yeah. here nor there. Um, <laughs> it's Yeah, that's something you learn when you actually go to Miami to see a sporting event of any kind. Uh, or at least basketball, because basketball is on campus. And you're like, oh, this is not really Miami. I mean, I, technically, <laughs> but not really. Um,
1: no, the best is that they don't even really visit Miami. You know, they play their schools in Coral Gables, and then they drive up to Miami Gardens for... The games and, you know, they skip the city entirely. Yeah,
0: pretty much. Um, All right. Seven o'clock. North Carolina at NC State. This is uh, what uh, my producer, Nada, has now dubbed the Player Haters Bowl. Um, Because, again, in the triangle, no one can have nice things. And so, yeah, all state has left to do is, you know, ruin North Carolina's chance to get to a bowl. And um, I think North Carolina's season is probably a pretty good microcosm of why Dave Dorn and other coaches schedule the way that they do because it is important to get to a bowl game and their schedule, you know, left them little margin for error to do that. Honestly, like they just, they didn't have much margin for error to get to a bowl game and um, now they got to win. They got
1: <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I have said many times that my overall picks philosophy for ACC games is to say what is the outcome that would feel the most ACC. And without question, that is NC State winning this game. 100%. Um, so there's just the the voice inside of my head that has seen this league unfold for the past decade is just screaming. And this
0: rivalry, yeah, frankly.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, Dave Doran would have been fired a few years ago if he hadn't managed to pull one out of his ass here. So, I, you know, I, I look at this game and, and everything inside of me says take nc state take nc state on the other hand i have watched nc state play football the last few weeks and i don't know how in god's name they win this football game because they are a shell of a football team right now they have nothing at quarterback they can't run the ball consistently they are awful on defense there is just nothing particularly good to say about this nc state football team right now as it is currently constituted uh and so I mean
0: they're, they're they're playing they're losing by less. Um.
1: <laughs> I mean I guess so, I guess so. I mean I didn't feel like last week was even a game that they you know I think they made it closer than it had any right to be, but that I didn't come away being like, well, NC states really turned things around. I came away being like, yeah, well this game kind of got out of hand and you know I don't know that again, I don't know that I would chalk it up as. Uh, a particularly impressive performance. It was just, you know, it was against the worst, or the least talented team in the ACC. And it was really just Georgia Tech kind of let them back in to a game that they didn't really belong yeah. in at all. I mean, it was. And, and
0: Georgia Tech's able to hit some big plays on them. And that's something that, like you said, like when you try to look at ways state can win, I mean, Carolina's offense is hitting big plays, right? So. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Well, and, you know, the flip side of it, as you mentioned, there's, you know, is banged up a bit on defense. But uh, to go back to my earlier comment about uh, quarterbacks that aren't completing 50 percent on balls thrown beyond the line of scrimmage, uh, the worst in the country is Devin Lee. Oh, no. So, uh, So I just, I just, again, it's there's. The part of me that has watched ACC football that says, yes, this feels like an NC State win, but then there's the logical part of me that says, I cannot script how NC State realistically wins this football game without something crazy happening, so I guess... Maybe something crazy happens. But if you're looking for a good explanation, I, I can't I can't provide that. Yeah, for you. like
0: the only thing I could think of a little bit is turnovers, but like state got some last week. So I did say like if state didn't get any turnovers last week, their defense, like I was gonna say Carolina's gonna turn it over like six times, but um they did. They did get some turnovers and it didn't matter. So <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I mean, truth be told, Sam Howell has been, while he has made his share of freshman mistakes this year at times, it has been the plays he didn't make that were the mistakes. He is not, as aggressive as he's been at times, he's not thrown a lot of balls that he shouldn't have thrown. Yeah. Uh, You know, he, he is not, he's making mistakes that are probably, I think, hindering the UNC offense at times, but I've not seen him go out there and just, you know, throw a complete duck to the other team that... Uh, utterly screws Over UNC and that's why I think all of these Games for UNC have been close is because uh, Sam Howell has Been smart with the football
0: yeah no I agree I, I, And I just I don't know How state gets a pass rush even against Carolina's offensive line because they just Haven't gotten a pass rush against anybody
1: Yeah and they can't afford to blitz because Their secondary is so bad and banged up And that, you definitely can't blitz um, him yeah Yeah so I mean they're just There's just a it's a no win situation For NC State other than you know their trump card of being well. It's the ACC, so these things yeah.
0: happen. I'm with you. I mean, I we've done this though in weeks where I mean, I had Joe Giglio on last week to talk about like state Georgia Tech, and I couldn't think of any reason why Georgia Tech would win, and then they did. So, <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, and again, I remember Andrea Adelson and I talked before the game and making our picks and we both said like, why aren't either of us picking Georgia tech? That's obviously the most ACC outcome. And uh, of course, you know, like midway through the second quarter, I texted Angie and I was like, we're so stupid. How, when, when are we going to learn? <laughs> the
0: fu- Yeah, that's, that's what it does. Uh, then we get, to, this is the actual nightcap on the SEC network, uh, Florida state at Florida. Um, look, Florida just keeps doing what it's done and and they've been largely fine, especially considering some of the injuries they've had. Uh, Defense is really good. The fighting uh, Odell Haggins is coming to town to try to, I don't know, try to turn the tide of of where everybody kind of thinks Florida State football is right now. Um, It's hard to see much of a path um, unless that offense really gets going, right?
1: So... I want to take Florida State here so bad. I really do. And, again, this just goes back to me not knowing what's good for me. Uh, I think that Florida's – I mean, first of all, let's think back. When Florida had Felipe Franks in the opener, uh, they still got whipped offensively through most of that game by Miami. And Miami's not a great team by any stretch of the imagination. Florida State has underperformed this year. There's no doubt. And particularly on the defensive side of the ball and particularly up front on the defensive side of the ball. But they've got some talent on that defensive line. And if they could get after Kyle Trask and they can stuff that, you know, P. Ryan in the run game from Florida a little bit, they keep it lower scoring, well, then they've got a chance. And then they just need to win a handful of plays on offense. And, uh, you know, Tamari and Terry is a guy who can beat you over the top. And... Cam Akers is certainly really good. Now, can they block Florida's defensive front? The answer is probably no, and that's, to me, the, the huge, huge advantage for Florida. But I, I don't know. This is, to me, I, I maybe I'm just sort of narrative-building myself, but I just feel like this, this uh, kind of emotion behind Odell Haggins has been building, and Florida State doesn't seem to really have another good answer, and wouldn't it be, like, The most like it is not an ACC thing for Florida State to win, but it would be the most ACC thing for Florida State to pull this game out somehow. Be forced to hire Odell Haggins, and then immediately next year they lose like their first two games, and everybody's like, "Wait, why did we do this again? This was terrible." Well,
0: and I was going to actually get to that, so I'm glad you brought it up because is I mean, you know, you see a lot of chatter about that right now, and considering their situation, is that. The logical outcome here, like, is there any other choice?
1: You know, I uh, uh, Andy Staples was was talking about this on Twitter today, and I, I think he brings up a good point: is that there are certainly better choices than Odell Hagen's, and and if you think you can get James Franklin or Matt Campbell, yeah, you probably want to go out and try and get them. But there's not been a lot of of buzz, from what I have heard, that suggests those are realistic. Yeah.
0: Why would James Franklin? that? I mean, do that?
1: that's that's kind of what I have been hearing thus far. So if that's the, if you're not if if you're coming down to saying like, are we going to pay a bunch of money to lure Mark Stoops away from Kentucky and not have our fan base particularly like that hire and be on the hook for a lot of money with him? Maybe we just go the Ed Ogeron route and say, here's a guy who wants to be coaching here, who our fans like. And if it fails, like it's not that expensive to buy them out. Like maybe we go that route. It's sort of like if you, you know, you want to buy a new house and you go around and you look at every house that's on the market and the ones that are in your price range, you just don't like very much. Like, do you just buy the least bad house or do you rent for another couple of years and circle back around and look at different houses when you have a little more money saved up the next time? That's kind of how I look at it. Like if Florida State's not getting a guy they love, then maybe the right answer is to get... The cheap guy that they kind of like I
0: mean I I get that you had to do something With fan apathy setting in like it was But at the same time Like I'm really kind of surprised That they did this and did not have a very clear Plan in place seemingly Especially with their money situation Being what it is like
1: Well and part of the problem is They've just got too many cooks in the kitchen there They've got a lot of people wanting to pull the program In a lot of different directions And say what you will about Jimbo Jimbo The success that they had under Jimbo was because Jimbo, through sheer force of will and personality, had everyone moving in the same direction. A lot of people weren't thrilled with that direction and weren't thrilled with doing what Jimbo asked, but it was what needed to be done. And now I think you have a lot of people... Uh, and partially because Willie was not the personality that was going to do that partially is because the administration and, and particularly from a financial end has been problematic. Uh, They're forced to sort of listen to boosters who don't know what the hell they're talking about, which is why you get people legitimately talking about Deion Sanders as an option. Um, It's just, there's just, there's not a, a, a person in the room. I feel like right now who can say, look, this is who we are and where we need to be and this is the best path to get there and let's put together a plan to get it. There's a bunch of people trying to you know throw something against the wall to see if anything sticks. Although
0: like I mean like even at North Carolina when they like bought out Larry Fedora they had a plan in place as we found out their boosters like their boosters just need to get all on the same page. Like
1: I don't <laughs> I mean it's a hard thing to do. Boosters are at the end of the day just fans with a lot of it's money, true. right? And and, and when uh, you don't have as many, if, you're
0: beholden to, yeah, yeah,
1: and, and that's this is and and that's the thing is is Florida State has, I mean, historically had two or three guys that they knew they could depend on for big donations, and which t- I've talked about this for a lot of programs. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see sort of the direction with a program like uh, Oregon after Phil Knight's not around anymore, and Oklahoma State now that T Boone's you know passed away, that you know how do you when you're you, you, when you're reliant on, it's sort of like a politician who's reliant on the same big donor all the time, like you got no choice but to listen to that guy. Whereas if you've got a bunch of grassroots money coming in and you don't have to worry about it, or you're the guy, you know, you're Nick Saban or Debo Sweeney, who everybody has already decided you're right and I'll listen to you no matter what. Um, It's hard It's hard when you've got a lot of people And you kind of have to placate them I think it's been It had been for a long time A problem at LSU It's certainly been a problem at Texas Over the years uh, That you just are trying to placate Too many people Who don't really know What the hell they're talking about
0: Yeah, I I do think this is probably The Odell Bowl In a sense that if they win Obviously, I think that's a no-brainer And if they even play competitively It'll probably be reason enough
1: Right And look, again I, I don't know I'm not endorsing that hire I'm saying that the list of hires that are obviously better than that is not as long as most people think.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just there's not a lot of great options. And, you know, there's obviously even some options they can't pursue right now. If you're going to pursue somebody on a staff that's making the college football playoff or whatever, too, like that, that even limits you even further. And then you go into recruiting and you're almost at signing day and you don't have anybody. And that's a problem, too. So,
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing is the other upside to to Odell is that you kind of keep open the opportunity that, um, you know, there's some energy behind it going into signing day as opposed to flushing away potentially another signing class and saying, well, now we've got like essentially three wasted years. And we're, you know, that that's a problem.
0: Yeah, for sure. Where are you going to be this weekend?
1: Uh, I am going to be on my couch this weekend watching as many of these games as possible. Look at
0: you, I was going to say, I'll be I'll be in Raleigh, so um, I'll uh, watch as many of them too. Um,
1: well, you tell all of my friends in the Triangle, I said hello, and uh, I assume we will. We will see many of them down here in Charlotte for the ACC Championship game in a couple of weeks. Uh,
0: no one from the Triangle, probably, but.
1: <laughs> no. I mean, you know, might just come by to say hello. I mean,
0: it may be, except for the fact that, like, there's basketball happening that weekend. Although Car- well, Carolina's true. on the road. I'm not sure where everybody else is right now. I still hate that this is a thing that's in my life, but it's whatever. Uh, <laughs> all right, David. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, this is great.